This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation, welcome back to another edition of Pop Goes the Classics here on the PTB Pop Experience. I am one of your tri-hosts, Steve Riddle, as we are continuing our trek through the Disney Animated Film Library. We are now into uh, the uh, course of the mid-2000s. Uh, we are hitting uh, 2001 with our film today. Uh, who is we? Is of course, me, as I said, and my fellow tri-hosts, as I will bring them in now. First, all the way on the East Coast uh, there, he is unfortunately uh, lamenting the uh, loss of his giants today. Uh, it is uh, Mr. Andy Atherton. Andy, how are you, sir? You cut me, Steve. You cut me deep. <laughs> you had to bring football into this. It's a lost season. <sighs> but this is not this week in the NFL. Great show over on the No So Podcast feed. This is Disney. So everything about Disney makes me happy to a point. This movie makes me happy because I actually enjoy this movie. I can see its faults. I can see um, why it didn't do well in the box office. Uh, I can see why there's not a lot uh, of people talking about this movie anymore. Although there is some recent chatter about a live-action version being made. But, again, it's Disney. I'm happy to talk about Disney. It got me away from the football game, and I appreciate that. And getting to be here with you two fine folks, and um, I'm excited to uh, to talk about this movie because it's one I have not I have not revisited in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we'll, of course, get into it uh, more details, but first let's bring in our other tri-host all the way, now residing in the uh, wonderful Czech Republic. Uh, it is Miss Miranda Berthold. Miranda, how are you? I, I'm i okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I was like, how am I? I don't know. <laughs> Where in the world is Miranda Berthold? Where in the world yes. is Miranda Berthold? <laughs> she doesn't know. She doesn't know. This is what the you mean mentally or physically? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess both. I don't know. know. (laughs) Well, well, this is what the um, what the fourth location now that you've been in since since this particular pod has started. Uh, Something like that. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because we did start before you moved to Europe. We did, but had Steve officially started with us, or do you mean that like this pod in general? Well, the pod in general. I think. Well, oh we, yeah. Um, I think when four. I started, you were. St- I think when I started, you still hadn't even moved to uh, to Slovakia yet. Possibly. Um, so I have been in America, where I'm from, obviously, um, and then from America during the Panini, I moved to uh, Slovakia. And then about a year and some change after that, I moved to Germany. And as of like two weeks ago, I live in the Czech Republic. Yeah. So four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Truly are uh, jet setting all o- studying all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, of course, we are here. Like we said, we are talking Disney. We are talking the 41st film that they released in their canon. And it is, um, as Andy kind of mentioned, it's one of those ones that's, you know, when it came out, it definitely um, it underperformed. It didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, solid reviews. But over time, it's kind of become a little bit of a cult classic. Um, it's kind of one that a lot of people find underrated. Uh, that film is 
Atlantis, the Lost Empire, uh, was officially released on uh, June 15th, 2001 in the U.S. Uh, it did um, decent in the box office um, against um, kind of um, against a modest budget. Um, I can say with certainty, um, I did not see this in theaters. Um, I'm, I'm sure I probably, you know, saw some TV spots for it when it when it came out. Of course, uh, at this point in 2001, um, I had just finished my sophomore year of high school. I was about to go into my uh, junior year. Um, I was actually about to uh, I was two months away, actually, from hitting the um, hitting the all important uh, 16 mark um, just to kind of put a uh, timestamp on where I was at this point in my life. Um, but I do not remember, but like I said, I didn't see it in theaters. I had heard about it for you know a couple of years. So I'm always one that I was interested in watching, but never kind of got around to until um, I finally did watch it for when I did my wonderful, wonderful reviews of Disney. Um, that was the first time I watched it in its entirety. And I, I found myself um, enjoying it, kind of similar to Andy. You know, it does have some, some faults, but it does have some good parts about it. Um, Miranda, did you see this film in theaters? And what was your kind of first... Um, introduction to this film i honestly this is one that i don't remember my first introduction to it and i don't think i saw it in theaters i'm trying to remember what year did you graduate steve i graduated in 03 okay so same as me so i would have been same as you um as far as like when i was in school and age wise so i don't i don't remember if i went to see this um I think I watched it later um, as like a almost adult. I think like when it came out on DVD. Um, I, I do feel like a lot of my friends, like I don't feel like it was as big then, but I feel now it has a little bit of a cult following, I guess I would say, because I hear a lot, especially like in the like kind of nerd community, I guess you would say, um, like at conventions and different things. I hear people all the time saying like, oh my God, I love that movie. And I didn't like prior know that people loved the movie. Um, so I think for me rewatching it um, when Caden, like we were doing when Caden was little, we went through all like the movies. I think that's really the most recent like memory of actually watching it. Someone's out your car alarm. Somebody's setting off their car alarm out there. Sorry, that's on. That's on my <laughs> end. I don't know who the. Let's go. Sorry. Well. You're well, like not I, my car. Well, I'll check on that. No. But uh, Andy, what was your? What was um? Did you see this film in theaters? And uh, what uh, was your uh, um kind of first introduction to the film as the alarm I, just went off? <laughs> I I think I think I did see this in theaters, but. We're about to enter in probably my biggest Disney blind spot for the most part. I mean, because I did, I saw this, mm-hmm. and I believe I saw the next one in there. But then um, after that, the next three I did not see in theaters because I was so where I was in my life, you youngins. Uh, <laughs> I was I was a uh, almost I was you know a few months shy of being 29. Was married, um, didn't have kids yet. Uh, my 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 first kid uh, arrives the following year, so I'm in kind of like that's probably kind of why the blind spot happened because you know you become a new dad and you have a baby and you can't really take a baby to a movie unless you're an asshole and I see that mm-hmm. sometimes when I go to the movies some of the movies that you've seen I've seen people bring babies or little little ones too it astonishes me you know it it part two Expendables Talladega Nights I've seen people with like babies or or toddlers in those movies but. Um, I, I remember 
like kind of like not loving the story, but always loving the animation and mm-hmm. the mix of CG in this movie is really good. And it, it kind of harkens back to I think I think one of the things that they were trying to do is they they were they may have been going into the old live action archives and kind of looking for inspiration because this feels very 20,000 leagues under the sea in this i know that that was that's something that's been near and dear to the disney company especially they had a whole attraction with it uh which we don't have anymore um one is completely gone the other one got rethemed to finding nemo out in california but i i do i did like this but you know this there's the problem one of the one of the issues with this one is that out, outside of a couple of characters, there's nobody really remarkable. You know what I mean? Like there are fun characters in the moment, but no characters that stick with you for very very long outside. You know, you know there are characters. You know, not everybody's going to be the genie or Timon and Pumbaa or you know Gaston. Like those characters that always mm-hmm. that leave such an impression on you. In this movie, nobody. No characters really do that. So that's one of the the issues, I think, with this movie. I mean, I have it on right now, and I, I the animation is astonishing in some of these scenes. Just the landscapes and, and, and the real the mixture and the way it was shot. It's it's really a really well made animated film. But I think that you know, also the animation style was a little different in this movie. Mm-hmm. We got got away from it's funny, not being as cartoonish. It was more, there's a big difference between like Disney animation and like your, your like, I don't know, your weekday afternoon, your like your G.I. Joe, your Transformers. It has your, that harder angles. Yeah. Kinda. Like mm-hmm. you get, yeah. you don't get the, like as rounded as like, like chibi kind of style. You get more like of a hard edges kind of thing mm-hmm. to me, I think is what you're trying to say. Yeah, and it doesn't lend itself to like you know a theme park character costume kind of thing. This is, you know, that's true. Yeah, it's 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 a very like I said, it's very well made, and there are some fun characters in it, but nothing really stands out. I think in my in my opinion, but I'm I'm curious to uh, really hear your guys' thoughts and as we uh, talk about the movie as we uh, we run through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we do um, we do open with a. Uh, we, I mean, we go right off the bat. We, we, uh, we start off with um, back in 6800 uh, BC when we see a mega tsunami uh, making its way towards the city of Atlantis when it was still um, above ground. Uh, we see the the uh, the citizens try to find you know find shelter, and at one point the uh, the king and queen of Atlantis, along with their daughter, um, the princess uh, Princess Kida, as we'll come to know her, uh, they also try to escape. But the queen is then. Um, um, attracted to a by a um, by a, like a beam of light, and she is um, lifted up above the city um, and to a and basically merges with a floating crystal. Um, as that happens, a protective dome um, is formed around the city, though, uh, or mainly around like the main part of the city, because we see unfortunately some of the citizens do not make it in time as the um, as the tsunami engulfs the city, um, except for the part that is um, encased in this dome, which is then. Um, taken down under the sea and hidden um hidden now out of sight so kind of you know that's where basically the uh the the legend came into place about how the city was basically um submerged by the sea 
Uh, we then cut ahead to uh, 1914 Washington, D.C., where we meet our hero of the film, uh, one Milo Thatch, who is a linguist and cartographer at the uh, Sony Institute, while also kind of working as the, um, as kind of the, um, the um, he, he, he basically keeps the the building warm. Basically, works the boilers and everything. He is uh, he is a in, in completely um, enthralled with the legend of Atlantis, and he wants to put together a uh, you know put together a kind of crew to um, go down and try to discover Atlantis. He is um, for this ostracized by the uh, by the the board of directors there. Um, they you know think he's you know just completely nuts, much like his uh, grandfather Thaddeus. Um, Thatch, the, who uh, Milo, um, you know, admires and looks up to. Um, as we're kind of missing out on an opportunity to meet with the board, he goes home where he fun, where he's met with a uh, with a by a uh, woman named Helga Sinclair, who takes him to his employ to her employer, uh, millionaire Preston B. Whitmore, who was a friend of Milo's grandfather Thatch um, Thaddeus. Um, Whitmore discovers that uh, Thaddeus had left him a package, which he gives to Milo, and it turns out to be a book called um, called The Shepherd's Journal, which Milo um, um, informs is kind of like their map to Atlantis. And Whitmore lets him know that he and uh, Thaddeus had made a bet that if Thaddeus can find some form of clue um, to dis- to, that can lead to, dis- to the discovery of Atlantis, that he would fund the whole expedition, uh, which he says that he will, um, he is a man of his word, so he will do so, but since Thaddeus is no longer um, there, since he has passed away, uh, he wants Milo to go in his stead, so th- um, Whitmore lets him know that he has um, funded the entire thing, he's got the crew, he's got the ships, which we do see like the main sh- the main ship, the uh, Ulysses, um, and Milo has agreed to uh, basically, um, doesn't hesitate and agrees to um, to go on this this journey. Um, so of course, like I said, we get introduced to Milo, who is voiced by uh, Michael J. Fox. Um, probably the um, when you look at the cast, he's definitely the uh, the biggest name of this um, of this cast. Um, and a kind of interesting note, I was when I was um, doing my research into the film. Apparently, he was also offered the lead role in the film Titan A.E., uh, which came out a year before. And um, Fox actually let his son decide uh, which film he would go do, and his son ultimately decided on Atlantis. So that's why uh, that's why Fox is in this film and it was not in Titan A.E. So, um, Miranda, what did you think of this kind of opening intro to the film? Kind of the we see, like I said, the destruction of Atlantis, mm-hmm. um, our introduction to um, to Milo and his um, and kind of this this journey he's about to go on um, to kind of fulfill almost kind of fulfill the wishes of his grandfather. Right. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I essentially he he works for the Smithsonian, which I found uh, I love. I I absolutely love the Smithsonian uh, museums. There's multiple. Um, And I think it's fantastic. I really liked his introduction because I think it shows you exactly who he is. Like, I think he did a really good job of, like, summing that up in that time. Um, And it makes you kind of want to see what is to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Andy? I love the opening of this movie. I thought it was such an exciting uh, start to the movie because of the whole destruction of Atlantis. Because if you're going to tell a story about looking for a lost city, you kind of have to show how it got lost in the first place. Exactly. You have to You have to set up, you know, you have to, you know, put the stakes in and, and kind of show what we're 
what we're up against, what we're looking for, and why we're going on this journey. Um, you know, and the voice cast you mentioned, yeah, it's we'll get to more more characters as as they're introduced. But I thought Michael Michael J. Fox does great in this. Um, do you guys know who did Titan AE? Who I don't remember leader? right now. That was Matt Damon, I believe. Oh, yep. look, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we get also John Mahoney, aka Martin Crane, Frazier's dad, as Whitmore. Um, for me, it's also, you know, I, I I dug into this because I kind of it gives me those Indiana Jones vibes, that serial vibe of like you know old timey, you know, adventure stories. That's why I kind of like brought in also a mysterious noir uh, thing going on here with mm-hmm. uh, the Shepherd's Journal, which is kind of, I don't know if it's a deus ex machina or not, but um, he's a, and in fact, that Milo's this low level scientist and nobody, I love the the speech he's giving and, and where he's, uh, you know, saying that we thought it was in Ireland, but it's in Iceland. And and it turns out to reveal that it's all like, you know, mannequins, basically, uh, that he's giving the crowd to. And the poor guy can't get anybody to listen to him because of his hair brains. He, you know, he's like anybody in, in, in a movie, he, like like Doc Brown. Like everybody thought Doc Brown was a kook. You know, mm-hmm. I, you kind of and we kind of gra- gravitate towards these quirky characters who, in the end, turn out to have been right the whole time. But no, I, I think the movie and I and I also I'm I'm a sucker for for when they build crews. So like when we get introduction to like, this is our team and this is this part. That's like one of my favorite parts of some, some movies and shows. Oh, like same. Ma- mm-hmm. I love mask when he used to build a team and all these other shows. It's like, Oh, these are the ones we're going to have here. And they're all going to be there for a reason. And they're all going to, you know, they have to, you know, get their moment to shine or else why would, why, why would you even bother including them in your story? Kind of thing. So I, I appreciate that kind of, um, creativity and building to uh, get us to where we're, we're trying to uh, ultimately get to, but no, definitely a fun open to this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that takes us to the next day where uh, Milo does meet up with the crew that uh, Whitmore has assembled. Um, it is headed up by um, by who, who we we don't know at the time, but we eventually will know as the um, as the head antagonist of the film. Uh, that's uh, Commander Lyle Rourke. Um, and we get to meet his uh, his uh, cronies there, basically. Um, uh, we see Helga again, who is the second in command to uh, to Rourke. We also meet uh, demos, demolitions expert Vinny, a geologist Molière, or Mole as he's affectionately called, uh, medical officer Dr. Sweet, hand mechanic Audrey, radio operator Mrs. Packard, um, and the chef uh, the chef named uh, Cookie. Uh, kind of a it's kind of an eclectic group of uh, uh, characters there, as we see. Um, they all get on uh, board the submarine of Ulysses, which then dives down into the ocean. Um, we see that the, like, like I said, they bring uh, Milo up as he's basically um, using the Shepherd's uh, journal to kind of direct their way towards where the entrance to Atlantis is. Uh, we kind of see that the crew doesn't take uh, Milo seriously. They think he's just, like you said, he's just a kook. Um, but as they're traveling down, they eventually um, come across the, um, I guess, kind of the guardian to the entrance of uh, Atlantis, which is a uh, mechanical leviathan. 
Um, they've tried to fight the Leviathan off, but eventually the uh, Ulysses does um, end up um, getting destroyed. Um, everyone kind of breaks off into these little um, subpods as uh, as Milo leads the way. Um, they go through this little um, sub tunnel, trying to avoid the um, avoid the Le- Leviathan, which tries to destroy them. Eventually, they do make it to um, a dormant volcano um, to kind of lead, which is um, which is going to lead them to the lead them to the uh, Atlantis. Um, unfortunately, they do suffer some casualties along the way. Um, and eventually we do see they make their way through the uh, through the volcano. Um, again, we see the crew does not take um, take Milo seriously. Um, and they do kind of uh, make fun of them. Eventually they do make their way towards this um, little outpost where we see the uh, where what they believe is going to be the entrance to um, Atlantis. So, um, Andy, what did you think of this kind of sequence here? The introduction of all these other um, all these other characters. Um, we kind of know a little bit about all about them um, and their their quirks and their um, their you know, obviously they're all very good at um, the things that they do, um, and just everything like every, again, everything just kind of going up into getting to towards where we see where we're finally going to get into Atlantis. Well, this voice, this voice cast, first of all, there's if you you could probably name if you ever actually thought of that a lot of movies that have Cookie as the as the cook on the team in any movies like I mean City Slickers. Um, Probably like a whole bunch of westerns. There's there's always a cookie in a in a movie like this, voiced <laughs> by Jim Varney, or you know Ernest, aka Slinky Dog, well the original Slinky Dog. You had Corey Burton as Moliere, the demolitions, <clears throat> the drilling expert, which you kind of which you need. And then we got um, Don Novello as Vinny. Now, since I am a little bit older to you, I don't know. If, are you guys? Do you guys know anything really about Don Novello? The name, but I am having a moment. He was he was on Saturday Night Live for a while. Okay. But he wasn't on Saturday Night Live as himself for the most part. He had a character he played, Father Guido Sarducci. Yep. Yep. You know, yeah. Okay. Always yeah. smoking. Father Guido, you know, to be a saint in the Catholic Church, you got to perform three miracles. And this mother Seton, she she only do two. And then they just wave the third one. Yes. And I, I heard that. I heard one of them was card tricks. So a very funny guy, and he, his delivery here of um, Vinny is is great. I popped the whole time. It's probably my favorite part of watching this movie. James Garner, legendary actor, you know, loved him as as Rourke. You kind of knew from the beginning that Rourke there was something something fishy about about him. Uh, Moliere, that was you know, Corey Burton, uh, great character actor. You don't know the name probably all that well, but you know his work. Florence Stanley, the great character actress from the 80s. She had a very distinct voice uh, who yeah. played uh, Mrs. Packard. Um, no, but this is, I really enjoyed this because uh, I love, like I said, the mix of CG and, and hand-drawn. And when I saw the Leviathan, I kept thinking from from uh, Star Wars Episode One, there's always a bigger fish. Because that really <laughs> reminded me of that whole scene. And, um, you know, I love the sunken ships and there are a lot of deaths in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of it's like a disaster movie here, like 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 a live action one where it's like, wow. Again, as we go through why this movie did not did not succeed. That's not what you see. That's not what people expect from an animated Disney film. You 
deaths are acceptable. We've, you know, that there are deaths in Disney films that have scarred us, but not tremendous amounts of deaths like this. Mm-hmm. This, like this whole sequence, they lose like how many people in this crew? Like not a lot of people make it out of this movie actually. That that go down there. It's like you know, the percentage here is like almost like the amount of people that. Not the same amount of people, number-wise, that die on the Titanic, but if you look at the percentage of people that survived the Titanic sinking, that's probably the same percentage that survived this <laughs> this crew. So, again, that's not something that is really meant for kids. And, and I think that was part of the issue with this movie for for in terms of, like, kids seeing this. For an adult, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's, but it also kind of takes you off guard because you're kind of not expecting to see that in a Disney movie. I would agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to finish off and saying like how, you know, Milo is this like outcast. Cause he's basically, these are almost like mercenaries, right? Cause they're, they're, they're paid to do what they do. They're not here for the, the glory. They're not here for science. They just want money. And that kind of shows the difference between them and Milo, which leads to a lot of tension for the first third or so, at least uh, maybe to half of this movie with him and the crew. But I do love also the, um, the differences in their body types, you know, kind of, kind of lends to them and how their, their, their wardrobe choices also, it, they're very well-rounded characters, just not characters that stick with you very long after seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Rourke says um, they started with like 200, and then when they get when they get past the Leviathan, there's like like what like 30 at most in that little group left. So something like that. If that. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of red shirts in there. You know what I mean by red shirts? Mm-hmm. Like anybody in Star Trek that went down to a plant that had a red shirt on wasn't coming back. You knew they of, weren't coming back. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of, oh no. A, a good percentage of them are red shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and. You mentioned, um, yeah, Corey Burton, obviously a big, um, big Disney name there, because of course he was uh, Ludwig von Drake, um, and he's done a couple of other big names. And one name I didn't, we didn't mention, um, the one of the uh, board members that uh, that Milo was trying to get with uh, um, Hearthcourt, um, played by uh, David Ogden Styers, who's another big name in Disney. So. Oh yeah, that's Cogsworth, and uh, yeah. and uh, what's his face from uh, Frollo. So no, many. he was the archdeacon in Hunchback. Oh, that's right, he was the archdeacon. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, Ratcliffe in Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but uh, Miranda, what did you think of this um, this sequence of uh, the sequence and uh, the introduction of some of these other uh, of this uh, this this uh, lively crew? I I actually really enjoy the sequence because what I think is funny is they all are like like um, Andy said earlier he called Milo quirky. Um, and I think I gravitate towards quirky or different characters because I was the, the quirky, different kid. Um, and I was an adult. I'm just here. Um, but I what I think it's funny is they are all the, this crew is also all like weird and quirky in a way. And they think that he's the oddball. Um, and you're right. There's a there's a lot of a lot more death, I think, than normal. But it would have been, I guess accurate is what you're trying to say if if like a big storm had come on a ship like it was very common to lose like half your crew so i mean it makes sense but i i like the theory you brought up andy of maybe that's why it didn't work so well i mean possibly not sure 
there's a lot of reasons this movie mm-hmm. does not work on the traditional Disney mm-hmm. anime movie. And we're going to see that issue with with a few more movies coming up. But right. It's not basically it's it's not a four quadrant film. Right. Four quadrant is 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 appeals to young, old, male, female. And it does not appeal to some of these, some of these, I mean, you could even, if you want to even break it down a little bit more, this is basically boys, like, and older people, like little kids, there's not, there's not a lot of, I mean, yes, you have a strong female character, but she doesn't show up for a while, but again, she's not, there are reasons to remember her, maybe boys, boys will remember her a little bit better, I think. But I will say, if you are a person that ever attends any sort of, like, um, not, like, specifically uh, San Diego Comic-Con, but similar convention. Any, any, but, kind, of, any kind of con. Yeah, there are lots of uh, girls dressed as her. So I think there is a, a age bracket of people that this really became, like, a cult classic with. Um, and I guess for me and Steve, we just weren't, we weren't the people that grabbed <laughs> when it came out because a lot of the people I see dressed, um, as one of our main characters and even Milo, you see a lot of Milo's as well. Um, they are my, in, um, mine and Steve's age range. So I don't know why for us it didn't, because even when I rewatched it for this, I really enjoyed this scene and I really enjoy everything about it. I don't know why I didn't then. Um, and I will say one last thing. I'm really glad you brought up Jim Varney. I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast. I think I have said it on another one, but I love when he gets credit for anything he did. He, um, my mother was actually a friend, like a, a, a personal friend, not like a, so I like, I met him in passing. Like my mother actually was a friend of Jim Varney. So I really love when people bring him up and he gets credit for anything he did because he was just so fantastic. And I think more people need to recognize he, his he work. He was more than Ernest, basically. He, he was Ernest more was than Ernest. was a great, memorable character. But yeah. he has so many other great things in his career that you can look back on. Yeah, yeah. He I was mean, just look. an amazing human. Like, honestly, he was. The Beverly Hillbillies movie is kind of, is kind of shitty, right? But he mm-hmm. is one of the standouts in that movie. His yeah. Jed Clampett is so good in that movie that, you know, and and, and there are other plenty of things that he did, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, Slinky Dog. He was the original, you know, Slinky Dog. Of course, unfortunately, after his passing, they had to recast. And and I believe it's mm-hmm. Blake Clark that does Slinky Dog now. Who's he, does, he does a great job as well. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I guess it's, I don't know. I really get like a warm fuzzy when somebody brings up Jim Varney because like I said my mother was a friend of his um so I think he gets he needs to get more credit and honestly if people don't know what Ernest is you need to be like it's the time check out all the Ernest movies they're fantastic (laughs) yeah indeed So, as I said, they, of course, uh, decide to make camp right by the entrance to Atlantis. And this is where we kind of learn a little bit about all the uh, the crew members and, like, their own aspirations. Um, like you pretty much said, they're basically all in it for the money while Milo's in it for the um, for the for the research and for the uh, and for the, you know, to to learn about as much as he can. Um, Probably a well, little fame, too, wouldn't you say, Steve, like to say that I was the one that, that found this? I see he never struck me as that kind of person like he doesn't like I think he's one like 
like, yeah, he's dreamed about this his whole life, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would care about the fame. Oh, okay. Okay. I just, I was thinking back to the beginning when he was giving the speech to like the mannequins and you would have to have a little bit of fame to be able to give the speech about your research. So maybe that's why I felt that way, but you're right. He's a very humble person. I just, is it a question? It was just a question. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I get it. So, no, don't, I, no, I could see the same, see the same argument to be made, but I think, I think maybe from him, it's just more personal vindication, more so for his grandfather. So. True. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but while they're uh, resting, these um, these weird like uh, fly fireflies come in and set fire to the camp. They try to escape, but eventually the uh, the bridge they're crossing collapses. Um, at which point they then come across uh, some natives of so the some natives. Um, they follow the natives into and they into like this little deeper down into the cave, and they eventually find um, Atlantis. Uh, this is where we meet a now um, grown up Princess Kidda. Uh, who brings them into the um, into the city, much to her um, her father's um, chagrin, because he feels he he believes as outsiders do not belong in the city. She thinks that they can um, then that they can help them. Um, Rourke eventually kind of convinces the king to let them stay for at least one night. Um, we then see Kidda take Milo all around the city, kind of uh, you know letting him kind of get his um, his jollies, basically getting to see everything. Um, we see the crew kind of become friendly with the natives um and then at one point um kidda takes milo down underwater where he where they find this like really ancient um like text um where they can where she because she wants to know like everything you know what has happened and she wants to try to save the people because ever since you know ever since what we saw at the beginning of the film the um the civilization has been dying and she wants to try to um find out how how they can save it so um Real quick here, because we do have again, we do want to mention more casting. So, uh, Kidda portrayed by uh, played by Chris Summer, who is a uh, kind of big name in the uh, in the voice acting world. She was um, Susie Carmichael in the Rugrats, and was in a bunch of other big um, other TV shows at the time. And uh, she was on a different world. She was one of uh, the yeah. roommates. Yeah, and then um, and the king of it, and then the king who's portrayed by, of course, uh, Mr. Spock himself, uh, Leonard Nimoy. So another uh, another big name and and another thing I actually um, when I was doing my research on this um, on the film um, let me see if I where I can because uh, I because I even mentioned it had it mentioned that they brought in um, they actually brought in um, uh, Mark Okrand who if you're not familiar with the name he is actually responsible for creating the King the Kling Klingon language for Star Trek. So they brought him in to uh, help with the Atlantean language. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little uh, and a, a note there that they um, to kind of make it feel more authentic that they that the Atlanteans would have their own different language. Um, so Miranda, what did you think of kind of the um, us the re- the revealing of Atlantis, um, the introduction of Kidda, and kind of because um, you clearly see this kind of like budding little like um, relationship between Kidda mm-hmm. and uh, and Milo as as she's showing him um, everything. I, it kind of made me think of um, Aladdin and Jasmine, the whole like when when he thinks he's showing her the world, but she's actually showing him like the city they both share and they don't know it kind of thing. Um, the intrigue out of Milo or the excitement out of Milo, though, is on a different level. Um, but I did. I, I kind of like was having this little like Aladdin Jasmine moment with the she, two of them. She is visually close to Jasmine. Yeah, she is. She kind of is. Yeah. So I could see that 
also kind of like tricking your brain a little bit. Possibly, possibly. Um, but I like the introduction of um, her character. I really love um, the introduction of Atlantis. I think because honestly, if we take a step back and think about it, Atlantis, if you are somebody that loves anything about history or geography or anything like it's intriguing even though this is a, a disney movie this is a cartoon like i am one of those people that like anything to do with atlantis has always been very intriguing to me um so i really enjoyed the introduction of that and i um i, I don't know i just thought it was really good mm-hmm. yeah andy i mean i i like Kita. i i do like the character she's strong she's a you know a very good role model in terms of life, but she has got to be one of the sexier drawn characters that we've seen in a long time. I mean, Oh, for sure. Just the outfit that she's in and the way she just, her swagger, her, we'll just say dimensions. Uh, so I could definitely, again, appealing more to boys than girls. Right. I mean, they go for this dip and, and she's like taking off her sarong. And it's like, you know, yeah, Milo's you know, getting himself a little excited. <laughs> I, I, I would uh, look. You kind of think like Milo's going to be like boop boop, you know, kind of when he sees her going in there. I mean, his, I do his, wonder if they were trying to reach a little bit older of a crowd with some of these movies that we have in this like span we're discussing right now. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's 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 kind of bad thinking. Oh no, um, it is. I'm just saying, like, especially with this one, it makes me wonder if if they are going for a little bit or yeah. trying to grasp a little bit older of a crowd. Yeah, they they could be because, but you also had started having rival studios starting to to pop up at this time. I think DreamWorks Animation was really starting mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to kick it into gear a little bit, so you were seeing more. Because we're not too far off from Shrek at this point. Yeah, so. I think so, yeah. and more things geared towards. I think the first Shrek, I think, actually may have come out in 2001. I can't remember. But it's very, it's yeah, around there. Because Jessica's first movie was, in the movie theater, was Shrek 2. So that's probably around 2000. I remember I because I, I did see that one in the theaters. And I was obsessed with it. It was May of 2001. And I'm still obsessed yeah. with this movie. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, it's, they, they, they kind of, they they kind of battled against themselves. They they kind of <clears throat> forgot like what made them successful. You can have you can be appealing towards little kids and still you know ha- move evolve right. This there's nothing in this for a, a little kid. I'm sorry, there is nothing in this movie. If I if I, I my kids were little when I and I took them to see it because it's a Disney movie, I would have been like, what what it's, what. Yeah, I, and maybe I that's been, what happened. Yeah, I think that's could probably it probably had a. I mean, if you, I I didn't look at the at the box office returns, but it probably had a significant drop off after the first weekend. I would think. I think it probably had a night a decent opening weekend, but <clears throat> because of word of mouth and oh, absolutely, you know, and also little kids like to see stuff more. We didn't have, you know, stuff wasn't on VHS. DVDs were still coming around a bit. There was no streaming stuff didn't get on cable for a while. So you did go to the movies. We're starting to get away from that time period where where you do go to movies a few times in the theater. But when you have little kids and they love something like I want to go see this again, I want to see that again. I want to. And or if like it's a summer and it's hot and you're like, you're like, I don't want to be outside. Let's just go in a 
air-conditioned theater, and a lot of times that also increases, you know, box office returns for anime movies. And remember, too, you know, little kid ticket, there's always going to be at least a parent, maybe two parents. So two, it's you buy one, you're always going to get, you know, you get one person in there, you're going to get two tickets. But um, in terms of uh, back to this stuff, the the Atlantean masks I thought were were a little creepy. Was kind of trying to figure out like you know how they really didn't age. And Rourke started to show is he's a lot. He, Rourke reminded me a lot of Clayton from Tarzan. Like okay, there because you're like something. There's something going on here, right? You, you kind of feel like there's gonna there's a heel turn coming at some point, and it does it does end up uh, turning out that way. And I do love, though, it's a, kind of a land that time forgot. I mean, there's a lot. I wouldn't say the movie is, um, oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, when it's when it's of uh, of other, like other movies. But there's a lot, I, I, a lot of stuff in this pops up. Like a lot of, I get Hercules derivative. It's not, I wouldn't want to insult this movie by calling it derivative. But there are things in here. It's like, oh, this is Hercules. This is, reminds me of Tarzan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in here that, it's maybe they took inspiration from a lot of the movies over the past, you know, however many years, and they threw some of it in there. Well, we talked of, about that happening. Um, yeah, it does happen. It's movies. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, but they it doesn't detract, I think, from the movie. But maybe it's because we're a little more hyper-focused because we're watching these and we're watching these with intent of, you know, kind of, deeper diving into these movies and we're spotting things and seeing things and noticing things that we may have not before. And we're seeing these movies, you know, closer together than, than normal. Like I don't, I don't really sit there and go, Oh, I'm going to watch Atlantis, the lost empire today. No, it really doesn't happen (laughs) to me, but you know, I'm watching it for the pod and I'm glad we're doing this Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I watched it. But I also, you know, we recently watched in the last however many months, Tarzan, Hercules, all that, so all that stuff is kind of still in my memory bank, which is not great. My not great memory bank, but stuff like kind of pops out at me as I watch these, and that's kind of what happens. So I try to, you know, turn off that part of their brain, but you can't, you can't help it. But you know, this is I really do love the whole establishing, uh, you know, the lost city of Atlantis in this part where we kind of get that, that, that view. You know, we thought it was beautiful before, but I mean, it's just as just as beautiful. Maybe there's some ruins here and there, but it's kind of awe-inspiring. Uh, some of the things that you see in this uh, part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you as you said, you know, the uh, we kind of expected the heel turn from work, and sure enough, that it is what happens as he and the crew basically turn on Milo and kind of take over. Um, of course, Rourke explains his uh, reasoning is that they intend to um, they want to find the heart of Atlantis because that's been the whole the whole thing about this, as well as that Milo wants to find the heart because he thinks it's the thing that's pow- powering up the city, um, whereas um, Rourke wants it because he wants to sell it um, to the highest bidder. Because let's not forget we're in 1914, so it's only 38 states. According to Cookie's tattoo. <laughs> well, well, I was also about to say we're on the brink of a world war starting. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, work thinks anyone who has that power can uh, would basically win the war. So he uh, mortally wounds the king to force um, to force them to to, to um, reveal where it is. Eventually, they um, Kidda takes them down uh, below the surface where we do see the hearts. 
of Atlantis. And much like what happened to her mother um, at the start of the film, the same thing happens to her where she is now merged with the um, with the heart. Um, she is then encased in a little um, like a little uh, box and they um, they're going to take her away. Um, my, they basically want to leave. My, they're going to leave Milo behind. Um, but eventually the um, the crew um, then kind of realize what's, you know, realize what's happening they decide to um that no amount of money is worth it so they turn on work and side with milo uh work and helga and the the rest of the crew basically just leave them there they destroy the bridge so that they can't cross it um milo then kind of consoles the dying king who basically who then tells milo he's the one that has to save um save the people and save his daughter so milo kind of rallies up the uh, rallies the crew and rallies up the um Atlanteans. Um, they get they get to their little um, flying machines, which they had not been able to um, to work up to that point. But Milo was able to figure it out, so they um, come together. They get them all activated, and they go after um, Rourke and his cronies. So, um, real quick, um, I, I think I think we're up to Andy next. What did you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, like you said, kind of the uh, expect excuse me expected heel turn of Rourke, um, the discovery of the heart. Um, Kidda merging together with it and kind of uh, everyone, you know, the not so much, you know, face turns of the rest of the crew because they weren't really, you know, the bad, you know, we didn't think they were bad. They were just, you know, going along because of because of the money. But what did you think of this kind of um, kind of see this, this uh, collection of scenes here? Yeah. I, one thing I, I, I know, too, like how did Milo hold his breath that long? Um, I didn't. <laughs> that was a really long time. I got I suspend my disbelief as, mu- as much as the next guy. But geez. Um no, I definitely, you know, the, the heel turn, yeah, like I said, we saw that coming from work. I didn't think the rest of the crew, I, I you know, I, I, parts of my memory didn't remember that they they, they aren't villains. So it, it's not shocking. Like they were kind of, they because he they had also, they had warmed up to Milo. Uh, but I got definite from Helga, I definitely got Ilsa vibes. Ilsa from Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. I was like the whole time. That's all I'm thinking of when I'm looking at her. But the giant, creepy, spooky floating mass. I thought it was a very cool sequence. The whole thing with uh, Kira getting uh, transformed. And I did. I did like the crew staying behind. I did enjoy that. I felt bad. You know, there had to be a tragic figure to kind of um, move some other plot forward. So that was why uh, the king has to die, and we get the truth of why of why Atlantis fell into the sea comes out. You know, I, I I wrote down Rourke has hang gliders. What 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 are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> it's like one of those things that kind of uh, threw me off. But we definitely are are leading up to uh, a fairly exciting uh, conclusion. I mean, it's it's not look the storytelling and 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 the um the the script writing here is it's not bad. It's not it, it it's going in a decent order. You know, predictable at times, but. Uh, I did really like how Kira, Kira kind of like fulfills almost like a destiny here with the, with thanks to Milo. Like it was meant to be like Milo was meant to be down here. He spoke, you know, he learned Atlantean. He knows how to operate their things that those, their, their flying motorcycles or something that they couldn't figure out this whole time. I, I like how it's kind of almost like a predestination theme is starting comes into play a little bit here but it, this is leading up to a, a fairly uh, exciting conclusion in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah uh miranda 
I kind of feel the same way as Andy. Um, the, the masks, yes. Chef's kiss. I love them. And honestly, I as you're watching this movie, how could you not see what was going to happen um, with Kida? I mean, it just kind of, like, to me, I was like, given, but maybe that's the adult eyes <laughs> watching it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. And you're right. It does really kind of like lead up to what is going to be like a satisfactory end. Mm-hmm. So we do see um, Rourke and his uh, cronies, like you said, um, with their flying machines getting ready to um, return to the surface. But Milo and everyone else is able to stop this, catches them in time. A big uh, battle ensues as they try to uh, keep them from taking off. Um, at one point, Rourke again shows his true colors as he um, basically um, betrays Helga as well. Um, they have a little battle, but then he throws her basically throws her off the flying machine to the ground, um, and kind of a uh, kind of crazy scene there. But Milo is able to get on the uh, flying machine, uh, fights with Rourke. He's easily overmatched, but then Helga, who somehow survived for a brief moment uh, that fall, is able to use a flare to um, to destroy the uh, little balloon that um, that Rourke was taking to fly back up. Um, they eventually start coming back down. They start fighting again. Um, at one point, the um, Milo gets a, a shard of glass that's been, um, I guess, kind of enhanced with this power that's, um, that the uh, that the heart has, and he slashes uh, Rourke's arm with it, and Rourke turns into a crystal monster. Um, and kind of a crazy little um, scene there, and um, and at one point the um, uh, Rourke gets um, shattered by the propeller, and it kind of a uh, in a crazy um, crazy death, probably one of the crazier deaths that they've done. Um, Eventually, the crate and uh, Milo and the machine fall to the fall back to the ground. Um, unfortunately, due to all of the um, impacts, um, the volcano, which had been dormant, um, has been um, does reawaken. So they end up. So Milo and the crew end up, you know, getting the crate. They end up making it back to Atlantis um, just as the volcano starts to come alive. Um, with um, with Kitta and the heart back in Atlantis, um, the city awakens, and we see these um, these big um, basically as I kind of there's these stone guardians, or as I kind of think think when I saw them, uh, great value iron giants uh, come <laughs> come, come, toge- come together and uh, form a barrier to protect the city from the multi- from the lava. Um, eventually, it does um, it hardens up and then it kind of breaks apart as um, as the barrier comes down, and then Kidda is uh, freed from the hearts as the um, as she and Milo reunite, and then the city is basically uh, the city is almost kind of uh, rejuvenated, basically with the uh, with the heart there. So, um, Miranda, what did you think of this kind of final battle scene, the uh, demise of work, um, the saving of Atlantis? And it's funny, I, I did say great value Iron Giants, but I also, um, as I mentioned in my review of it, it reminded me um, for those that um, that played uh, the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, that scene at the very end of the game where those um, those like big giants uh, trees keep the moon from uh, destroying oh, the yeah. destroying uh-huh. the town. So that's what I, that was another thought I had. But um, but what did you think of this kind of final climactic uh, scene? Uh, battle. First off, can I have a flying machine? I mean, just saying. I'm just I want saying. one. I, can, can I have one of those, please? Um, secondly, why are we trying to murderate everybody? Like, what is going on in this movie? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, if you shove someone off of something like that, you try to murder them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but I think it was all done very well. And and as Andy and I both said just a moment ago, I think everything leading up to this 
got us to this conclusion. And I do think it was done um, very well. And and we kind of, again, there, were, there are things we saw coming. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the, watching a movie or reading a book or taking in some form of media and, like, being able to to see what was coming in the end and not be, like, blindsided. I, I kind of, I mean, sometimes it's just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Andy? I mean, I enjoyed the battle like the uh the air battle like the dog fight i actually thought it was it was really well choreographed in my opinion i mean the 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 ending rourke's demise here yeah i mean i saw him turning on helga that again that was coming but his i was that was creative i want to say he turns into like a a giant crystal monster and then basically gets like decapitated it was kind of weird um you know i i did uh, when and when they fly out with the with the whatever the chamber attached to them it kind of reminded me of aladdin escaping from the uh cave of wonders uh Mm -hmm. sequence in there and okay look again we're gonna state again that i am like a little (laughs) bit older than you guys so i never really played zelda games but those giant figures are like the celestials from the mcu so if you watch eternals that will kind of make you think like, hey, these things, uh, that's what they look like. And But I do see, uh, you know, definite Iron Giant uh, here. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they definitely, to me, I'm like, oh, look, Celestials. Um, you know, uh, I like the, uh, the the score the the crew gets. And, uh, you know, the, the King's Stone make taking its place, uh, his, his mask basically up there, right? I mean, it was a satisfying ending. I think it was earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you well, like you said, so the crew kind of gets their um, their spoils basically, and so that's some nice uh, treasure that they did get. Yeah. Um, Milo does decide to stay behind, um, so he does stay with um, Kidda. We do get a brief scene where the crew meets up with um, with Whitmore again. Um, they kind of have their own little like cover story about what actually happened, so as not to kind of tip anything off. Um, we see Whitmore has received a little um, gift from Milo, which includes um, the picture of Milo with his grandfather, as well as one of the crystals, um, and a message from Milo. Um, and then, like you said, Milo um, and Kidda do release that little like stone uh, tri- uh, effigy tribute to um, to her father, because because she, she has now become the queen of Atlantis. And they kind of we get the kind of final scene as they look over Atlantis as we go into the um, into the closing credits. So, um, like we said, the film it you know it didn't do that. It did okay. It did make. Um, it did make 84 million um, domestically um, against a 90 to 120 million dollar budget. Um, we mentioned it did. It was actually so Shrek came out the month before, so um, so it did have to go against that. Also, when it had to go against um, the first Lara Croft film, um, mm-hmm. so that uh, that's not you know, that's not, I mean, yeah, you see similar a similar aesthetic in there, but it's funny is that Shrek probably. If I'm gonna wager a guess, was probably the opposite, where it, it first of all the voice cast was you know Michael J. Fox big star, but you but can't everyone top, in Shrek was a big but star. but you can't yeah you can't I mean that's hard to top Mike Myers, John Lithgow, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz as as the build like you know main voice cast. Also, mm-hmm. Shrek, no nobody really knew what Shrek was, but. 
I can guarantee Shrek probably box office went in the opposite direction. Whereas Atlantis probably had some fanfare because Disney, everybody, you know, Disney a lot of times gets the benefit of the doubt. And it had a nice opening weekend, but went down. I'm sure Shrek had a pretty decent opening weekend. And as word of mouth got around how good that movie is, uh, I'm sure. And and that actually is more appealing towards little kids. That that box office probably grew or at least didn't drop off as much as as. you know, this one did. So, it, yeah, it's hard. And, and Lara Croft, look, those Lara Croft movies are not good. But it's a similar, you know, genre, so to speak. So, um... And Angelina Jolie was getting hot, too, so... Yeah. Um, so, Shrek, just to put it into perspective, its production buzz, budget was um, $50 million. Opening weekend was $42 million. Um, and then domestic or worldwide box office. I don't know what the whole tally for this is or like how long, um, but it was like 491 million when it was done. So. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure journey to Atlantis did okay for in the, the worldwide box office because it's a story that could appeal mm-hmm. to other, other cultures, but Shrek, I mean, it was based on fairy tales. Right. I mean, I, I guarantee I guarantee you that it did really well in Europe. I want to say. It's gross <laughs> revenue for um for Atlantis was 186 mil. Its budget was between 90 and 120. I don't know where there's a fluctuation in budget. I don't know, but that's what it has listed. Um, 84 million of that was earned in North America. Yeah, and it so says it did. was likely due to the fact that it did have to compete with Fast and the Furious and Shrek. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, under 100 million is not good at this point for uh, for a Disney animated film. No. Domestic. Yeah. And plus, too, this was 2001 was the first year that um, the Academy Awards did the Best Animated Feature um, Award. Um, that was yeah. uh, was also won by Shrek. Um, and Atlantis didn't even get a nod um, in that one. It was only yeah. um, it was Shrek, and um, it went up against um, it did go up against Monsters Inc. And it also went up against, of all things, uh, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Listen, that movie is, it's fun. It's so much fun, though. Um, they did, they were nominated for some awards, but it was the Annie Awards and the Political Film Society Awards. Oh, <laughs> guys, I'm sorry, I've never even heard of that. Um, okay. Well, Sh- Shrek, Shrek, deserved, Shrek, out of all the movies, I love Monsters, Inc., but I think Shrek's a better movie. Shrek, I, I, listen... That has more than a cult following. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But of course, and, and um, due to the underperformance of this film, uh, they had initially um, Disney had planned a spinoff TV series of mm-hmm. called Team Atlantis, which got canceled. Um, they had wanted to do like an underwater Disneyland attraction as well as a volcanic Magic Kingdom attraction based on the film. Um, those definitely went nowhere. Um, Although this film did get a direct-to-video sequel in 2003, um, Atlantis Milo's Return. Which... Yeah, but that, that was that time period, correct me if I'm wrong, where direct-to-video films were happening, like, a lot. Yeah. Like, they yeah, were that was, that was the yeah, early that was 2000s. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, so I'm sure it probably didn't. I've never seen it. I don't intend to see it. So. I don't remember if I did. I, but I had Disney Movie Club um, from about junior year of high school on until Caden was 
mm-hmm. in the double digits. And I remember during those early to late, very end of nineties, early two thousands there, it seemed like every month because they send you like the thing in the mail saying like, here's the feature um, for this month. All you have to do is if you don't reply, you're getting it. And it was a lot of direct, to film DVDs. It was like uh, uh, number two of this or like number three of that. And you were like, what? <laughs> it was it was a lot. It was over. Some of them were not horrible. Mm-hmm. I remember one, no, of the, no. one of the Cinderella sequels wasn't bad. I, no. I actually kind of enjoy Return of Jafar. I uh, do enjoy Return of Jafar. I, I I mean, Aladdin, you know, the Aladdin 3, I forget what was it, was the, uh, yeah, uh, it was like the King of, King of Thieves. Like, that, yeah. that, 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 what, 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 me, what the most thing about that is that's the return of, that was the return of Robin Williams. That was, that was the mm-hmm. big deal about that because when him and Disney like kind of made up. So, yeah, but there, I mean, thankfully, like Toy Story 2 was supposed to be direct to DVD and it was supposed oh. to be cheaper done. And they, thankfully, uh, you know, look, for, and I've talked about this on my on my Pixar watches and things like that. For everything, John Lasseter, for his indiscretions, we'll just say. Um, mm-hmm. What he did, though, he was the he's been the closest thing that we've had to a Walt Disney in terms of, and he was the one that took put the kibosh on these direct to to, to DVD sequels. So we could thank him that we don't that those don't happen anymore. It's either it's done like you know as a short, or they continue on the characters in shorts, or they continue them on in TV shows or they do actual sequels in the movie theater. So, um, no, I mean, it was, eh, I mean, it, it's not good. I mean, it just popped up on my screen now because you watch Atlantis, the lost empire, you go watch Milo Atlantis, Atlantis, Milo's return. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as we said, as we did kind of say, like, even though like recent years, the film has gotten, has become, has gained a lot of more of a cult following. And it's one of those films that, you know, we talk about how the mid, like the 2000s was all about the, the direct to DVD releases, how currently um, it seems to be all about the live action remakes um, of the classic films. And this is one that, um, that many people have been, see- have said that they want to see a live action remake of, because they think it could definitely, um, it could work well as that. So, um, but with all that said, um, Miranda, your kind of final thoughts about Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Um, final thoughts. I think as an adult, it is much more enjoyable. I do wish that maybe I had, and again, I don't know why it wasn't on my radar, because there's a lot of these that we've gone through that I've told you guys. I I went to the theater. I was a, um, my This brain. is a Miranda movie. I know that. Just, yeah, this is a this, just this, watching this, this movie. I know from from knowing you as well as I do. Yeah. I'm like this. This is a Miranda. Yeah, but it, it wasn't, and I don't know why I didn't gravitate towards that, and I don't know why I didn't go see it. I've told, I've said it here several times. I was in show choir. I went and saw a lot of movies like this with my show choir friends, and I I don't know why this one wasn't there. I understand the people that have such a cult following for it now. I do get it. But I also see why a lot of people, it didn't have the appeal at the time that it maybe needed to really grasp that audience and make more in the box office than it did, despite being up against some really heavy hitters. Um, It looks like when I was doing some research, there was some controversy around this movie about a couple different reasons. And I think that's a shame because I really do, in the end, think that it is a good movie. 
Um, is it a comfort watch or something for me? No, I have a friend that like when she doesn't feel good or whatever, this is her movie. This is what she goes to. And it's not that for me. Um, it's not going to be in like my top 10 when we start talking about Disney movies, but I think it is a good movie. Mm -hmm. Andy. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I would be down with a live action for this. And they, I've heard like Tom Holland for Milo, uh, you know, which works Milo. so well. Yeah. And also Zendaya for Kida. I mean, they, they had talked about, um, um, Mila Kunis for, for Kida, but I think she's getting a little bit on the older side I agree. Uh, to play that role. Um, here's another thing that, that may make Miranda angry. I was just looking up. I'm like, why is she not a prince? like an official disney princess like because she is a princess in the film right uh, and they say because uh she is a supporting character like the mercenary she's not a lead i guess of the movie and well, my argument all, with that would be um technically if, if you want to get technical anna is a supporting character and elsa yeah. is the lead um, but if that's what we're going off of, I think that's flimsy at best. And I don't know. Well, I'm not they, angry they, about it. They, it's not they like now it. state that she does not fit into the princess mythology, whatever that means. Yeah, but they do that about a couple other people as well. Yeah. Like, mm, mm. Hmm. so yeah, there's a few out there that should be, uh, there's a few, I mean, you can make arguments. I mean, I mean, you don't want to make it so like any, lead is like like wendy or right. alice you know you don't want to make it that anybody could be a princess but she's a fucking princess <laughs> i have hard I have hard fights on alice you know that one i, I know, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I, I didn't want to i didn't want to open up that uh that uh, wound there but yeah you know, i'd be down for this. alice in, in wonderland podcast if you want those wounds opened <laughs> the um <laughs> You know, I and I, I would be excited for a, a big budget uh, live action. The only thing is they just did um, a series. It was all I think it was the um, the I, f I forgot the exact name of it, but it was a uh, an origin story for Captain Nemo from Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. They shot the entire thing. I I I don't know if they if they edited all this episodes, but Disney ended up canceling it. They, they canceled Disney Plus canceled the show. And I, I believe they are shopping it to try to find it a home. Because That's happened whole, to a lot of shows lately. Yeah, that, that they, they try to get the tax write-offs, cut their losses there. But I, I would be, uh, you know, I, I, I was excited to watch that, too, because I have not watched 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea in a very long time. I have not watched a lot of the live action, even though we have Disney Plus now. I have not watched a lot of the live action Disney films that I had seen years ago, like The Black Hole or any of the Kurt Russell ones or Swiss Family Robinson definitely look to revisit. That's the only thing that I think could be uh, stopping uh, this journey to Atlantis, because again, this would, this would be, this would have appeal worldwide because that does kind of do like, you know, look, I don't get the whole avatar being this giant, why, why, why it's the top grossing movies of all time. The top, the two avatar movies, but this, this I think, could do the same if they did it right. And they had the right director and they didn't, you know, F up the story at all. Um, but, there's yeah, there's a lot of fun characters that could be played in live action by people. But it's definitely one to to seek out. I, I think that it's, you know, I, I would tell my kids to watch it just to, like, if you guys want to see, like, a, a good movie. Not a, let's say a great movie, but a very good movie that's not disney in a traditional sense 
I would I would recommend this movie. And for, and for me, it's probably if I was to rank all these movies, it would definitely it would probably be on the lower half, but not far down that half. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was an enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would have it probably in the middle to lower tier for m- myself. Like for me, it was just you know, like you like we said, it had its good moments. Um, it did it you know for being you know ninety six minutes, it didn't really drag that much. Um, like you said, there were some good characters, you know, some good little scenes in there. But I think again, at the end of the day, it probably was just you know, you know, this was just that period where you know. The films we talk about, you know, from this decade are just kind of, you know, just there. I think, you know, like I said, DreamWorks was really getting was, you know, came came really bust the door down with Shrek. Um, Pixar was really kind of hitting their groove. Um, it was just kind of a, you know, downtime for Disney. And um, yeah, Blue Sky, I think, was starting to probably come on the scene. A lot of a lot of other Disney was not the only game in town anymore. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? I mean, and this, uh, and there's nothing in the parks for this. I mean, I think there may be something in maybe the the Disneyland Paris Resort maybe have something, but there's no rides, no attractions. Uh, maybe maybe some merchandise, but um, yeah, this is not this is not talked about. There's a few. It's 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 one of the few that you don't find anything for. It's very hard. You know, there are certain you know, and then people who love it would buy it though. That's the only thing that, but there, it's not a huge. You know, it's not like Mater or or Mickey or or any or Olaf or any of those characters where you just make anything with them and they'll sell. This is this is kind of a harder thing, but people people would buy it. I mean, I would love to find it. So. Yeah, some some like replicas or whatever of of some of these things. But no, it's 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 uh it, it should be. They should they should get, they should get into the park somehow. They probably wanted to retheme Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea with it. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the one in Florida had, had was gone yet, but definitely they were going to do it out there. And then they ended up doing the Finding Nemo subs, which I'm dying to go on, by the way. But no, it's, you know, it, it could be a cool ride, actually. But the ride would definitely feel more universal than Disney. So it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, it feels like it was it was made by the wrong studio. <laughs> yes, actually. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just looking up to see where it was in the parks or if there is anything in the parks. Um, Disney, actually, I don't know if either of you you have played it. I really enjoy this game. I haven't played it in a couple of months with the move, but Disney Dreamlight Valley. So it's like Animal Crossing X. Yeah, I've heard heard of it. It's fantastic. Um, It's fantastic. But apparently there's going to be an Atlantis. There's something to do with Atlantis that will be coming to the game. Um, I think there was something. There might have been some Atlantis stuff in Disney Infinity. It's been a long time since I played. It's been it. a long time since I. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't one. think they ever came out with the figures, but um, it was. I mean, I'm going to watch it probably a uh, hundred more times. The Disney um, 100 mm-hmm. short, where uh, yeah. Once Upon a Studio, which I've already seen three times. Uh, I probably cheap plug. I will probably do a live watch of it for my uh my podcast series that that goes up on saturdays uh and i i guarantee you there is a character from this movie in there every they've got every i think every movie has is in there in one way shape or form so 
I'm going to have to, uh, next time I watch it, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for a C. I'm guessing Milo is probably the character in it, or Kita, if anybody. So um, definitely keep an eye. I'm going to keep an eye out for that next time. You know, this is obviously with a park that we don't talk about very often is the fact that um, Disney Parks has has a water park and you could easily do something fun over at the water parks for Atlantis yeah. as well. Yeah, like I don't think it would fit in. It might not fit in um, uh, Blizzard Beach. No, but, but it could fit in maybe in Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah, 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 maybe. Or Disney Cruise Line, you could do stuff because I know they're starting to do more stuff for the Disney. Like here's a mm-hmm. here's a other thing too that people may want to see. Uh, you know, they have two. They just unveiled one ship, a new ship, and they have two more that are still being built. They're starting to do bars based on attractions. Yes. Right. Like there's a there's a haunted mansion theme bar. What? I you know there's going to be a Jungle Cruise theme bar. I mean, I would definitely hang out in Atlantis, the Lost Continent. Lost Empire, whatever, uh, theme bar. Listen, you probably ain't going to get me to leave that Haunted Mansion one. And honestly, with the tolerance of alcohol level I now have, you guys will probably be dragging me out of the Haunted Mansion one. But Amy, Brandon I'm wants to be the one that has a ghost. husband behind him going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's like, I'm fine. <laughs> I got fun all 999 spirits. I did it. <laughs> I'd be like the lady. I'd be like, I'd be just like trying to do the type tightrope lady walk, you know. And, and I'd be like, I, like in my head, I'd be like, I can do it. And you guys would be like, oh, she can't nope. do it. Like, she does realize that she's like laying on the floor, right? <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Right on the knees under the sea. Woo! <laughs> yeah! Did we make it to Atlantis yet? Are we there yet? Where's my flying machine? Where's my crystal at? <laughs> yeah, oh, they could do like I, they could do like the the floating crystal, like uh, glow crystal in your ice cube in your drinks. Mm. Right? Like I need more drinks for more crystals. I'd be like, shing, ling, 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 with a <laughs> more, please. <laughs> <laughs> I promise both drinks I have right now have no alcohol in them. <laughs> well, on that note, we will go ahead and uh, and wrap it up here because. Uh, for our next, we are going to go, uh, of course, we have our next film to talk about, as we will actually have a uh, double shot of films from the year 2002. Um, we are coming out from under the depths of the sea and coming on to the uh, beaches of Hawaii with our next film, which, uh, Andy, you're going to be taking the driver's seat in that one. So let us, why don't you let us know what that film is? Uh, it is the wonderful, wonderful hand-drawn animated movie, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah! I have not, again, it's a movie that I watched a lot years ago when my kids were little, and it's been a while for that. Um, I, I actually started calling them Experiment uh, 511 and 401, their birthdays, after uh, watching that movie with them together. Uh, I, yes, I will do a lot of uh, bad Russian accents in that movie uh, when, I, when I host that podcast. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to, to doing Lilo and Stitch. And again... 
the sequels aren't terrible, actually, yeah, for those. Yeah. Lilo and Stitch 2's, Leroy and Stitch, Stitch has a glitch. Those were actually fun. There was a cartoon, they, uh, like, yeah. uh, series. A yeah, they, series. Never, they never really went too far away from what the sh- what the original movie was. They mm-hmm. stayed pretty pretty faithful to the to the uh, source material from where it came from. So I think that's what also makes it makes those actually pretty okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I'm ready for that one. Yeah, looking forward to see how how that holds up. So, um, but with that said, let's go ahead and um, discuss where we can be found on social media and what other podcasts and other um, things we have going on. Uh, Miranda, we'll start with you. Um, all of my podcasts are here on PlayStation Nation Pop Experience. Um, so check out anything on the feed, actually, because um. All of them make me happy, even if I'm not in them. Um, I can be found mainly on Instagram and TikTok under at Mom's Nerd. Um, so yeah, come come find me there. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy. Yeah, like I said, just check out everything here on the um, the Pop Experience. It's where I live. I mean, I do veer off onto the uh, the wrestling network once we. We're going to try to eventually get to once a month with the NXT pod, but right now we're looking about once every like six to eight weeks for that. And occasionally we'll pop up on the No So YouTube with Ryan doing uh, reviews, previews, whatever. Ryan asks, I usually I say yes, and I just have fun with whatever is in front of me there. And yeah, just check out. I mean, look, I I am on the the social medias, but I really don't do much outside of Facebook. I have the Twitter, I have the Instagram. But I'm more of a uh, just a follower on those. I just check out like other people because people live much cooler lives than I do. So I just want to see their stuff. And uh, if you want to follow me, go ahead. I may or may not accept. <laughs> but you know, join the place to be group here, and you can see a lot more of what I do. Mm-hmm. On yeah. Right. Okay. Um, as for me, I also am typically found here on this feed, but not just this show, but also uh, Making Mount Rushmore, uh, which is always a fun, fun show to do. And um, also the video jukebox song of the day. Um, I do, of course, have a um, also have a f- podcast over on the PTB Wrestling feed, um, Extreme Resurrection. That's me and James Grunberg, where we're going through uh, WWE's ECW from 2006 to 2010. We are currently in the summer of 2007, so we have the uh, the reign of John Johnny Nitro, soon to be John Morrison as ECW champion, with CM Punk chasing him. So. Um, so come so got that that feud go through. Um, I do moonlight occasionally over on the North South Connection feed as well with some of the pods over there. So be sure to check those out. And of course, if you've not subscribed to their YouTube channel, please do so. They do a lot of great stuff over there. Um, you can also find me as well on the PTP Facebook group. Um, lots of good stuff going on there, including our tournaments that's going on right now. The greatest song of the two thousands tournament. We are. Right about on the edge of getting into round three. So we are down to um, pretty much almost down to 128 songs. Um, some big names still left on the table. Some uh, long shots are still hanging strong. Um, I know with us, some of these um, matchups, some of these decisions we see sometimes make us may want to pull our hair out. But um, <laughs> that's the that's the um, that's the beauty of these tournaments. So um, it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to seeing what does end up winning in the end. So um 
With that all said, we will go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun going through these films, and we look forward to continuing on with the journey. So for Miranda Berthold and Andy Atherton, I am Steve Riddle. This has been Pop Goes the Classics here on the Pop Experience, and we'll see you next time.